Two weeks ago, our weekly podcast was titled, Nowhere to Run To, Nowhere to Hide. In it, we discussed the fallacy behind the notion of hiding out or trying to hide out in certain stocks or sectors during market corrections, bear markets, or general economic slowdowns. We argued against the notion that there is always a bull market out there as discussed on TV by a few hosts. Unless you're running a hedge fund, that's generally not how the markets or portfolio management works for the masses or most institutions. I'm Chris Paris with Oak Harvest Financial Group in Houston, Texas, and welcome to our weekly Stock Talk podcast. Before we get into this week's topic of a summer slowdown, but looking for second half hope, please take a moment to click on the subscribe button and click on the notification bell so you'll be alerted to our team's new uploads of our latest content. Earnings season is winding down, but the last week, a few large well-known companies in the consumer space dropped earnings bombs on the market. In the span of a few days, Walmart, Home Depot, and Target all reported their first quarter earnings. While Home Depot reported higher than expected revenue and earnings, both Walmart and Target missed earnings and margin estimates by a wide margin. What happened? Exactly what we were afraid of in late fourth quarter of last year, but in a much worse manner. Call it the perfect storm for retailing. The short story is this. Companies ordered goods for the second half of 2021. They did this into Christmas 2021 selling season to restock their shelves that were pretty bare from the consumer buying during the COVID-induced stimulus programs for the second half of 2020 and the first half of 2021. Unfortunately, much of this inventory was stuck off the coast of California in containers for months when demand was strong. Ultimately, most of these larger items were delivered after the Christmas shopping season and restocked onto the shelves with the retailers having to pay both higher labor rates and higher shipping rates. Then, in the first quarter of 2022, consumers did a couple of things in a dramatic and swift turn from the prior 18 months due to a combination of rising interest rates and the war in Ukraine. What did they do? Consumers went from purchasing lockdown-oriented items, such as large home goods like furniture, outdoor grills, kitchen appliances, and clothes, and instead, they started spending more of their money on food, beverages, dining out, and travel. They switched from spending on lockdown items to spending incremental dollars on reopening types of goods and services. Additionally, consumers were forced into spending a higher amount of their paychecks and savings on energy bills, both gasoline for cars and home fuel costs. Why? Because energy costs rose dramatically in the first quarter of 2022 due to global sanctions on Russia energy exports. Now many investors are asking if we're headed into a recession. Listen, I don't know, but I suspect we would have a mild one given how the government GDP data is calculated. We covered the negative first quarter GDP contraction a few weeks ago on our News or Noise podcast. In that podcast, we walked through mathematically the way GDP is calculated by the government. Additionally, we stated that we thought we could have another negative GDP number this year because of inventory buildup and slowing consumer demand. And, unfortunately, we've looked to be unproven right with the inventory correction by just what happened last week to many retailing stocks. In a matter of hours, the stocks of retailers Walmart and Target went from beating the S&P 500 year-to-date because many portfolio managers were hiding in them due to their relative stability to stocks dropping minus 15 to minus 25%. I must admit that the size of both stocks declines surprised me. 
However, when I looked at Target, I'm not sure how many investors saw this stock as defensive at 25 times trailing earnings and 21 times 2022 earnings before the report. Of course, now that question is mute. To make matters worse, some of these retailers are considered staple businesses by stock index creators. With this, their stocks get lumped in with many other true staple stocks, such as Coke, Pepsi, or Procter & Gamble. So businesses bundle these stocks together into ETFs. So like it or not, when one or more retailer like Walmart or Target or both miss expectations and their stocks get sold and hit hard by big institutional players, other true staple stocks become collateral damage to the larger retailers. In effect, there is nowhere to run to and nowhere to hide. This is not just guilt by association. No, this is worse. These stocks are physically tied at the hip of other stocks that are declining, and longer-term shareholders of these stocks get shellacked over shorter time horizons regardless of the corporate fundamentals. Each of these typically boring names were down minus 5.5, minus 6.5% on the same day that Target reported earnings and dropped minus 25%. The collateral damage was widespread. The moral of this story is in market corrections in both price and time, like the one we're in on the S&P 500, or economic slowdowns, or bear markets like the NASDAQ has endured, there are really no places to hide. Hiding is not something you should try to do in equity markets. That's not how they are structured. You should either subscribe to the ability of the equity markets or our economy and good businesses to compound your investments over years and decades, or you should look to lower risk and lower return alternatives elsewhere. Remember, and I know we've discussed this before, the number one rule of investing in stock markets is long-term compounded returns are about time in the market, not market timing. I'm not gonna leave you on a sour note. I wanna provide you a few data points that can point to an improved outlook for the markets for the second half of the year, particularly in the fourth quarter and on. Of course, there are no guarantees in the stock market. First off, I saw a statistic about last week, even with its big down Wednesday. Here's the stat. During the prior three days, the S&P 500 rose over 2% coming off its 52-week low. The last two times that that happened in the last 20 years, March of 2009 and March of 2020. Both of these instances were near weekly lows for the indexes for the next 12 to 18 months. Are we nearing a selling capitulation? That stat would say it could be close at hand. Second, while earnings estimates are always in flux during the summer, valuations have dropped consistently the last six months, and we now sit near 16 to 16 and a half times forward earnings. This is pretty much spot on the average of the last 20 years. Yes, inflation is running higher than the last 20 years. However, overall interest rates still sit materially lower than other times during the last 20 years. Prices have declined, which is making stocks more attractive on a valuation basis. Here's another point to note. Sentiment data is extremely pessimistic. Recent surveys by Merrill Lynch on global growth are at levels not seen since the great financial crisis in 2009 when fear was high and there was a true wobbling in the entire banking system. These dynamics do not exist now due to tighter banking regulations and oversight. On the question of bear markets, how low do they go and how long do they last? Here's some great data from LPL Financial summarizing non-recessionary bear market moves in the S&P 500 over the last 75 years. 
I think the most interesting thing to note is that in five out of the six last bear markets and near bear markets that didn't have a recession declined within 19.5 to 22.5% and lasted on average a little over seven months. Right now, the S&P 500 sits down around 18 to 20% and we're in the fifth month of this decline. So historically, we should be approaching attractive levels both in price and time as the second quarter ends. The one outlier in the data the last 55 years was the 1987 stock market crash that dropped minus 32.5%. However, I must remind investors that the market was up 35% year to date before that drop and the markets finished the year up marginally. Brian Belsky of the BMO Group provides us the data on historically what returns have looked like on the other side of these larger moves down in the overall markets. Their research found that looking back at all 20% or greater peak to trough declines since 1945, that the S&P 500 posted average gains of 18.7 and 25.7 in the three and six month periods following bear market troughs. Additionally, during the three and six month periods following 15 to 20% price corrections, like the one we've seen so far, the index registered positive gains of 17.1% and 26%. Following bear market troughs, on average, it has taken US stocks 36 to 138 calendar days to gain 10% and 20% respectively. The recovery time has been shorter for 15 to 20% corrections within the S&P 500, posting returns of 10 to 20% after 31 and 115 calendar days, historically. Of course, there are no promises or guarantees in the stock market. Finally, we've discussed normal volatility of midterm election years in prior podcasts. Recall midterm years have been historically volatile with stocks with average declines of more than minus 17% peak to trough before rallying into the end of the year. The good news is the S&P 500 has gained on average positive 32% over the next 12 months off those lows. Here's that data for those who are interested for the history of elections and stock market returns. The results have been similar under both parties' presidential leadership. However, the best outcomes for stocks have historically been neutering of the current party's power for midterm elections. Shorter term investors looking at a few quarters to a couple of years have historically agreed that Washington DC being handcuffed is positive for markets. Our team here at Oak Harvest knows that the last five months have been trying time for the markets with sustained higher volatility for the first time in over two years. We know that sharp market declines like the ones we've had create emotional angst and the urge to make changes to what are supposed to be longer term asset allocations. If you're feeling uneasy, I would urge clients to give us a call and schedule a review of your retirement plan with your advisor. Do that before making any dramatic changes during times of heightened market volatility. These types of long-term asset allocation changes are usually best done when markets are calm and one's emotions are less elevated. At Oak Harvest, we think our clients are best served by us helping them plan for their future needs instead of focusing on the past. The future is always uncertain, and that is why our advisors and retirement planning teams plan for your retirement needs first and your greed second. Give us a call here to speak to an advisor and let us help you craft a financial plan that meets your retirement goals. Call us here at 877-896-0040 and ask to speak to an advisor, get a consultation. We're here to help you on your financial journey into and through your retirement years. 
I'm Chris Paris, and from the whole team here at Oak Harvest, have a blessed weekend. All content contained within Oak Harvest Podcast expresses the views of the speaker and is for informational purposes only. It is based on information believed to be reliable when created, but any cited data, indicators, statistics, or other sources are not guaranteed. The views and opinions expressed herein may change without notice. Strategies and ideas discussed may not be right for you, and nothing in this podcast should be considered as personalized investment, tax or legal advice, or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell securities. Indexes such as the S&P 500 are not available for direct investment and your investment results may differ when compared to an index. Specific portfolio actions or strategies discussed will not apply to all client portfolios. Investing involves the risk of loss and past performance is not indicative of future results.